Welcome to Paradigms on WBKM. This is episode number 140, Sunday, February 24th, 2013. Good evening. Hi. Welcome to another episode of Paradigms. My name is Baruch. I'm your host on Paradigms. Happy to be here with you tonight, as I am on almost every Sunday night, uh, where we meet interesting people and artists and musicians and people making a difference in the world and uh, people who are exploring their visions of a viable future for life on Earth that includes humans. So tonight we've got a real focus on artists, two musicians and a filmmaker on the show tonight. Uh, First, we're going to hear David Ortega interview Trayvon Trapper, and these are both uh, young folks from a place called home in Los Angeles who are occasionally on Paradigms. Uh, We've met some of the the young folks. They're learning audio engineering. And uh, tonight, David is interviewing Trayvon, who is a songwriter and also a singer, and we'll hear a song of his. And then we're going to talk with Kareem Al-Hakim. I actually had this conversation with Kareem last week, uh, and I've been trying to get a hold of his wife, Samaher El-Kadi, because she is part of this film they're making, but we haven't been able to coordinate. But a very interesting conversation Kareem and I had about what's happening in Egypt and uh, in general in that part of the world. So I learned some stuff, and... I think you'll find it interesting as well and some great music mixed in there. And then we're going to meet a young man who is a a musician in Burlington, Vermont. His name is Joshua Glass and I really enjoyed talking with him. His music is really got some, some spark to it and I think you'll enjoy it and he's an interesting character. So that is what tonight's show looks like. Conversation, music, stuff to think about time to digest it. I hope you'll enjoy. Let's start out by hearing uh, David's interview with Trayvon. We're back here and um, we haven't really covered this guy. His name is Trayvon Trapper. Hello everyone. I'm Trayvon Trapper. Nice to meet you. He was in our last APCH album and let me tell you, he sounds great. Thank you very much, David. I really appreciate that. I hope everybody enjoyed the album the songs that we worked on and everything i thought it was pretty uh pretty eclectic different genres came out of that album so yeah so tell us about yourself like what inspires you to sing what inspires me to sing i mean i love singing singing it has so much control over your emotions whenever i'm i know whenever i don't have my voice and i'm unable to sing i'm not happy i'm just like the most miserable person like in the world I cannot smile without my voice. I need to sing. It's just a part of me. When you sing, like, who influences you? Like, like what artists or how did you grow up, like, singing? I grew up mostly listening to, like, Usher, uh, Immature, Michael Jackson, Marvin Gaye, all those people that hit the high notes and soul and everything. That's pretty much it. In our last album, most of your songs were based off true stories, right? Or, like, things like, that hit you or something? Uh, <laughs> the majority of the songs that I write are true stories. They're not necessarily my true stories. Like, I'm not necessarily the main the main person in the, in the song. Like, for instance, 
Girlfriend Stealer was not about, it wasn't about me entirely. Like, I was just, like, going on, I was on Facebook or something, I saw this girl, I thought it was cute, and I was like, like man, I should have got with her when I, when I had the chats to or something, and then I saw her pictures of her boyfriend and everything, and then I was like, let me write a song as if I was with this girl already, and then her current boyfriend stole her away from me. I just wrote Girlfriend Stealer one night, and that's what it came out to. How did you, like, start singing? Did you sing as a kid, or, like... I've been singing, i say since I was in kindergarten or first grade, I started realizing that I could sing a little bit then. I wasn't really performing, or I didn't want to be a singer until I got to uh, 11th grade. Then I realized, like, I I wanted to be a concept artist. I wanted to, to do art. I, I love drawing. I wanted to draw up until then, and then I got an internship drawing at uh, this place called Dreesy Creative Studios. I don't think it's called that anymore. Like, I'm drawing, and I'm, I'm sitting behind the desk, and I'm like, man, I finally got this chance, and I, I love drawing and everything. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, it's so boring. It's so boring behind this desk. It's so boring doing concept art. There's no, there was no windows in the building. I was just sitting there. I had access to a computer and pencils and a whole bunch of paper, that's it. And so I walk into my supervisor's office one day and I'm like, hey, I got these concepts. And then he's like, okay, cool. Come over here, you sing, right? And then he introduced me to my songwriting partner, Tredessa, um, who I've been songwriting with for about like five years now. But yeah, the way I started singing, my mom would play like, uh, like I said, Michael Jackson or Usher or something in the car and then I'd be like, hey, I like the way those guys sound. I'm going to try to mimic them. So I was just like, and then, I don't know, I wasn't bad at it. So I just kept doing it for fun until I got to 11th grade. What kind of genres do you like prefer? Mostly R&B and pop. I like all kinds of genres. If, the, if it sounds good sonically, then I listen to it. Uh, but... The songs that I mostly sing are mostly R&B or pop or something. My my iPod is dominantly R&B and pop, mostly R&B. But I don't really like to limit myself to one genre. Like I'm gonna listen to R&B and that's all I'm gonna listen to at all because I've I've had my rock stage, I've had my my country stage and everything. But I just always go back to to R&B. That's just where that's how I learned to sing. That's what I grew up listening to. It's kind of like has a special place in my heart. Are you ever gonna come up with a new CD? I'm not releasing anything like personally, like for myself. Maybe one day like it'll get to there, but right now I'm just trying to break into the industry as a songwriter. And then like my ultimate dream is maybe to become an artist or something. But I'm gonna enter as a songwriter right now. The songs that I released for the APCH album, I didn't plan on, I didn't write those for myself. I wrote those to pitch to other artists. I didn't plan on singing those besides a reference until, like, Joaquin, he he was like, oh, these songs, you should put these songs in the album. And Tredessa, you should put these songs in the album. So, I mean, that's what we ended up doing. Did you ever picture yourself, like, here? APCH? Uh, no, I did not at all. I passed by this place so many times when I was little and everything, and it came up in, like, different conversations as I was growing up just because... I had friends that that have gone here before. I was either a junior or a senior in high school. I actually became a member here and talked to Joaquin, and I was like, oh, um, hi, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. We introduced ourselves and everything. I told him that I wanted to 
we had all these songs and we just need a studio time basically and he was like yeah cool cool just uh just come in become a member and everything but at that time I wasn't as focused as I should have been I had other stuff going on like you know just other stuff that happens in your personal life you just you just got to deal with sometimes and then I got to the point where I was just like I was like oh my gosh what am I gonna do? Yes, I want to become a songwriter, but there's no way to record these references. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I was going through it badly, and then I asked uh, my friend, "Hey, do you think Joaquin would still be open to the opportunity for us to use the studio and everything?" She was like, "I don't know. Ask him." So I called him again. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, I remember you." Blah blah. blah. Uh, he was like, "Yeah, just come in." And then that first day I came in was uh it was just real cool he was real he was real cool and everything and then I asked him hey can I bring my songwriting partner in to like I don't really do music without her and he's like yeah for sure and then brought her in and it's been been an APCH ever since now let me tell you this where do you see yourself in seven years seven years hopefully I'm in the industry already the goal is to be that go-to song where, like, people want they want a hit song. They say, "Oh, okay, let's go to let's go to Trevor and Tradessa. They they'll, they'll write us a hit song, a song that everybody will like and everything." In seven years, I just want to be established as a songwriter. I want to be dead set. I don't want to have to worry about how am I going to be able to pay rent or like I just don't want to be struggling, man. I just want to be set. Free life. Yeah, pretty much. Thank you for being here, Trayvon. No problem. And um, yeah, thank you for listening. All right, is everybody. Have a nice day. Well, thanks to David and Trayvon for being on Paradigms. And keep your ears and your eyes out looking for those folks because they're the up-and-coming artists out there in California. So, at least some of them. Now I'm going to play the song that Trayvon was talking about, Girlfriend Stealer. Here's Trayvon Trapper. Looking at your photos with him, huh? Damn, I wish you would block him. Block him, just block him. Can't stand to see you with him, no, no, no. I'm starting to feel like a stalker, and I can't stop staring. Feeling like he's glaring at me now, rubbing it in my face. Provoking my temper uh, Making light of my effort uh, Cause I lost yeah. And he got first place While I'm saying She used to be mine She used to be mine Girlfriend Stealer Girlfriend Stealer She used to be mine She used to be mine Girlfriend Stealer Girlfriend Stila Oh yeah Looking at the post where you tagged him You tagged him You tagged him I recall when that was my name I recall when that was my name I'll always love you underscore Underscore Well I guess his name fills that blank And I can't stop staring Feeling like you know I'm reading it yeah, rubbing it in my face, provoking my temper, making light of my effort. Cause I lost and he got first place. While well, I'm saying she used to be mine, she used to be mine. Girlfriend stealer, girlfriend stealer. She used to be mine, she used to be mine. Girlfriend stealer, girlfriend stealer. 
She used to be mine She used to be mine Girlfriend Stila Girlfriend Stila She used to be mine She used to be mine Girlfriend Stila Girlfriend Stila Trayvon Trapper, you can find that song and other songs of his and his partner Tradessa uh, on the album Stories from Home. Go to apch.org, a place called home, and check out their store. And uh, they've got a bunch of stuff. A Place Called Home is a really amazing uh, social service agency in Los Angeles that serves young people and their families in a lot of incredible ways. Uh, I know I'm using a lot of hyperbole because they really are just doing great things for, for young people, for kids, like these kids having an opportunity to develop their craft, which without access to the tools, they wouldn't be able to learn. So very creative and, and good things going on. My next guest tonight has been on Paradigms before. His name is Kareem El-Hakim. And he's a filmmaker. Two years ago, he and his wife, Samahir El-Khadi, and their friend Felipe and some other folks uh, made a film called Half Revolution about the Arab Spring. And that's two years ago now. And they're in Cairo still. They live there. And they're dealing with what's going on there now. So Kareem and I had this conversation last week. Kareem. Yes. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Uh, we're hanging in there. So you're in Cairo. Oh yeah. What's happening? Uh, it's uh, you know I don't know. It's 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 going a little bit crazy here. You know it's <laughs> it's a Friday. There's been uh, thousands of people in Tahrir Square. Uh, it's been a bit quieter than the last previous couple of Fridays where we've seen a lot of a really a lot of unrest and a lot of deaths. In fact, and People are really, you know, very sour and everyone's talking quietly amongst themselves about what to do in this situation. It's kind of amazing that uh, two years has gone by so quickly. Yeah, it's, it flies, doesn't it? And things are, I, I'm, I'm both encouraged and discouraged by what I hear about What's happening in Egypt? Obviously, you know there are things that had, did not go well with the new government and the new leadership, and yet people mm -hmm. aren't 
sitting down for it. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, they, you know, people are outraged. You know, they none of none of the none of the original goals really even that that toppled Mubarak have been met, and uh, you know, Morsi's government been more repressive than Mubarak's. Um, so things have really kind of slid backwards in terms of um, you know the developments that we saw right after the the fall of Mubarak. It really slid downhill from from there. You know, it's it's really terrible. It, it is. It is uh, kind of some of the the West's worst fears. Well, you know, I, I'm not really sure what what's going on because. Now we've had a couple of years of, of retros, you know, kind of hindsight, and we're looking at almost the same exact situation playing out in Tunisia. And we see a push uh, from Islamists in Syria. And many of these Islamist groups are funded by the same, you know, uh, the same source, which is Qatar. And you have to kind of wonder, you know, maybe there's a much bigger game being played in the, in the region. And I think that's really probably the case because... These guys, the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, have such little support. It's it's a miracle that they're still in, you know, still around, and kind of have to wonder why that why that is, you know. Well, it makes me think in larger historical terms. You know, if we look at the last fifteen hundred years um, or so since the uh, uh, the birth of Islam, and the push and pull between and I'm going to use what I think is kind of archaic language, East and West, if you will, you know, that has been constant. Yeah. And this is simply more of that. It's a higher tech game. It's a more violent situation because of the high tech weaponry and also the the promulgation of ideology through technological communication, blah, blah, blah. But in a way, this is just more of the same. Well, I don't know. I mean, in a way, it couldn't have. It didn't have to be this way, because you know, the overwhelming sentiment on the street in Egypt is certainly not on on the the Brotherhood's agenda. I mean, they're not. You know, I would say overwhelming majority of people here are against the Brotherhood, and and you know, uh, Morsi did win an election. He used the democratic process. Uh, but unfortunately, the Brotherhood is very much a fascist kind of organization, and they've even read, written it down and said it that you know, it's a well-known fact that they will use democracy once, only once, to get power, and once they do, they'll change the, the rules of the game, and that's basically what they've done. And the people that were pro-revolution that voted for Morsi, they didn't vote for Morsi as a candidate; they voted for change as a concept. And they didn't want to return to continued military rule because we know has gotten us for the last 60 years, and it hasn't done very well. However, um, you know, I think the faith that people put into the into the Brotherhood to continue playing the democratic game has certainly been been lost now, and it's quite clear that they're playing a completely different game, which is a very inclusive game to them. Uh, sorry, exclusive to them. They're not inclusive at all. They have no broad-based consensus from all the various different uh, social and religious groups in the country. And um, unfortunately, I mean, what, we've, what we're seeing is really the slow rise of, or perhaps even a quick rise of fascism in the country. And um, that, that's why people are out in the streets, because 
the you know the, the decrees that Morsi has done, kind of uh, giving him immunity from any judicial uh, you know findings, and the way that the constitution was written and then jammed through in an obviously fraudulent election, um, and then coupled with uh, this new you know uh, court verdict, which was based around the football massacre that happened a year ago on February 1st, 2012, where in uh, basically this court case was uh, committed 21 men to death, sentenced them to death to, to be hung uh, for the deaths of over 70 people last year. And the, uh, the problem is, is that these 21 who were convicted were just rounded up from the streets and were people that called into TV shows, uh, gi giving their opinions about things. Um, Scapegoats. Yeah, total scape, total patsies, you know. Yeah, yeah. And none of the people on the higher end of, of, this, kind of, of this conspiracy, uh, which includes security personnel, police, and probably different political party members, whether it's the old regime or, or the new regime, None of those people were, were convicted or even tried yet. And, you know, this is the same type of pattern of abuse that we saw under Mubarak. And it's playing out, it was playing out in the streets and still is. I mean, right now as we speak, there's tear gas in front of the presidential palace. I'll be back with the second part of my conversation with Kareem after we hear this song called January 25. Now, this is a piece of music that was put together by a bunch of North American artists, rap artists, to honor the, the Arab Spring, to honor the uprising of the people in Egypt. First, they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they fight you. I heard him say the revolution won't be televised Al Jazeera proved him wrong, Twitter has him paralyzed 80 million strong and ain't no longer gonna be terrorized Organized, mobilized, vocalized On the side of truth, the Madunya's living proof That it's a matter of time for the chickens home to roost Bu'adizi lit the poof and it slowly ignited the fire within their people to fight it. From Tunis to Khan Yunus, the new moon shines bright as the man's spoon was his mass as the man writes in the spell room as a disunity communally removing the tomb as rotten harumas. We're making headway, chanting down the dictators, getting rid of dead weight, opening the floodgates like the streets of Jinder. But we've been empowered to speak, and though the future is uncertain, man, at least it isn't bleak. When our children can be raised not in a cage, but on a peak, the inheritors of Mother Earth are meek. Freedom isn't given by oppressors, it's demanded by oppress. Freedom lovers, freedom fighters, free to gather and protest for the God-given rights, for the freedom of the press. We know freedom is the answer. The only question is. Who's next? It's very bad for my government. I haven't food, I haven't anything. Me and my children, I will die today. Time to push, and we ain't falling back now. Time to fight, cause we are all we have now. Do you hear me calling out for backups? Trying to keep a lookout for better things. Time to push, and we ain't falling Just back now. Pleasure to be born, news media disseminated, heaven's gate, level of alarm, third person dictate, couldn't sever him till dawn, three mil in the street, we will live in peace, but first God rest the soul of those who choose to be free, from poverty they rose, knee deep in robbery. 
me Souls will plummet and burn Like Muhammad Bazizias And just see the logos Deliver the state now Here's his own soul Calm awaits for no man Your presidential charm and arm A break out of place in your own homeland Now hip like Meza Imagine a million human march to Gaza From Qahira to Baghdad Siyaset hum Sahira Alamat al-Akhira And I study my Quran. This is modern day signs. We just waiting on Jesus. You should be the teacher of Quran to your kids that are wasting time watching Kelly Ripper and Regis. This is Egypt, home of the ruins. Last time we needed change, it took Musa to move on. Operation, get rid of the Pharaoh. Now we getting rid of who ain't willing to share no bread with the people. We are all equal. True men of God fear God, don't fear no person that's walking on the face of the earth. If you gotta take knife, gun, bow, or an arrow. Is his breath and there's still hope left So let hope rise like the eye of a sparrow Time to push, now we ain't falling back now Time to fight, cause we are all we have now Do you hear me calling out for backups? Trying to keep a lookout for better things Time to push, now we ain't falling back now Time to fight, cause we are all we have now Do you hear me calling out for backups? Trying to keep a lookout for better things Won't be just spicks A-Raps, Packies, Rednecks and Hicks Leaders ain't helping them feeding the kids The leaders helping pigs eating the kids Back on my Elijah eating the liver Run up in the White House with keys to the crib The House and the Senate ousted in a minute Take these streets to Wall Street, this one's for Kenneth They on that Gandhi, they on that Chado Put that change to like Cairo, Fuego Hard for the press to find a scapegoat When every man, woman, child's at the table They think they John Adams, they think they Ben Franklin, they want democracy, what them abs thinking, world leaders now can see when keep people from eating, the people will eat them. Time to push, now we ain't falling back now, time to fight, we are all we have now, do you hear me calling out for backups, trying to keep a lookout for better things. Time to push, now we ain't falling back now. That's January 25, and the folks who made that happen uh, was produced by Sammy Matar. The MCs are Omar Offendum, The Narcissist, Freeway, Amir Suleiman, and Aya. So, there you have it. 
Here is the second part of that conversation I had with Kareem El-Hakim. You're listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. Well, certainly people's hope for change has been used against them around the world. Totally. Uh, It's true in this country. It's been true of any fascist government that was elected initially, playing on people's desperation. And it is a global thing that's happening. Yeah. And what's happening in Egypt is certainly part of it. And I don't even know where to imagine the seat of all this is. I mean, okay, there's Qatar in terms of the brotherhood, but, you know, I read an interesting piece recently by Khalil Gibran called Satan about a preacher who encounters Satan bleeding in a ditch and Satan asks him to save him, to help him. And the preacher argues with himself about whether or not to save this wretch. And once he realizes and is told who it is, Satan tells him, you know, without me, you'd be nothing. I am what you rail against all day and all night. I am the the boogeyman you use to bring gold into your coffers. Without me, you would be nothing. And the preacher saves him. And so I think about these boogeymen that we create, these cultural boogeymen, and how we need each other, how the, the, the boogeymen need each other to keep the game going. Sure. What if we stopped, we the little people, stopped playing that game? Yeah. Well, that's that's really what's playing out in Egypt. I mean, people have had enough, and you know, we we know the the future behavior of the Brotherhood has already been shown us, uh, you know, m- many years ago through the through the behavior of Hamas in the Gaza Strip, and Hamas was definitely you know one of these in, kind of inventions uh, in your 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 parable of the devil and and the preacher. Uh, Hamas has done very well for Israel in terms of giving it reasons to. Uh, continue its, you know, its its security push and its walls and its repression of Palestinians. And without that conflict, Israel would really not have the kind of army or, or politics that it that it has, you know, and the nationalism perhaps that it has. So I think what was really some kind of a setup to create a boogeyman, uh, because if you really look at the politics of uh, of Mubarak in America and Israel, uh, it's been a very cold peace. Uh, there's neither war nor any kind of economic gain through this relationship. And I think, um, you know, there might be some kind of rearranging of the chessboard in terms of who, who are friends and who are enemies. And it might certainly be easier to manipulate an enemy or at least a perceived enemy than uh, a complacent friend. And I think, you know, this, this is going to play out in, in the, the months to come because I, I really smell something bigger, you know, brewing uh, when it comes to the regional kind of stability. And if you really look at the Arab Spring, most of these countries that went through uh, these upheavals are, are certainly no better off than they were before uh, the Arab Spring moments. There, there's more chaos, there's more of an Islamic presence, and uh, that Islamic presence is certainly not justified uh, if you look at the behavior of the people who went out in the streets during the Arab Spring. That's, they certainly were not making an Islamic revolution when they toppled these dictators. So that's that's not gone away. And people are just getting more and more frustrated with uh, the, the constant detour experiencing with these various regimes and ideologies that are so far away from uh, the basic needs uh, and, and very simple desires, I think, of the people. And they certainly de- deserve something better. Absolutely. Know? And it, it just seems like 
in the rarefied heights of Mount Olympus, there are people pulling the strings on all sides for their advantage. Sure, exactly. And uh, and I, I wonder, you know, we're approaching a time on this planet where we're going to either really off ourselves or we're going to have to transform into something that is more... Um, uh, buzzword, but sustainable and and hopefully humane. It seems like crunch time is, but but people have been saying that forever. So yeah, exactly. People have always been. It's the same old ideological kind of say, let's say, moral conundrum that you know the left wing has against, let's say, more uh, conservative elements and conservative elements get their way. I mean, they bring business, they bring some sort of policy, um, people are organized because they're being paid. And the left wing is usually just doing it out of kind of moral, moral, uh, their moral, you know, feelings and their, their sort of, let's say their own will, their own willpower to see change. And they're not really working within that, that system. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think probably we're going to see a correction before we see this kind of advanced uh, enlightenment happening, you know. And a correction means a big war, you know. It's, it's, it's really seems to kind of be coming. Storm clouds are brewing, you know. That was the second part of my conversation with filmmaker Kareem El-Hakim from Cairo, Egypt. And we'll hear the third and final part of that conversation in a few minutes First, I'm going to play a song for you. It's called Oh My Proud Wound. The musician is Marcel Khalif, and this is from his album that came out last year called Fall of the Moon, which is inspired in part by the poetry of Mahmoud Darwish, who is a Palestinian poet. Oh My Proud Wound. She 
Marcel Khalif, Oh My Proud Wound, from The Fall of the Moon. And thank you to Marcel for uh, donating that song to Paradigms tonight. Thank you so much. Here is the third and final part of the conversation I had with filmmaker Karim El-Hakim. So you made this film, Half Revolution, a couple of years ago. I know it got some great attention, and I watched it and thought it was brilliant. What are you working on now? Actually, we started shooting uh, a new film about the rise of the women's movement here in Egypt. It's been an interesting couple of days because uh, there's been a phenomenon really happening all year. And even into the times of Mubarak and the protests of Mubarak, you'll remember Lindsay Lohan was sort of, you know, gang molested in, in Tahrir Square. And she, you know, she, had, she was very traumatized by that, was an ABC reporter. And many, many women have been sexually molested, you know, by gangs of roving men in uh, Tahrir Square and around Tahrir Square. And this phenomenon, uh, just just one week ago, there were over 25 women that were molested in Square. And we've, you know, we're all kind of come to the conclusion that this is a, sort of a tactic by the opposition. Well, not, let's say, our opposition, <laughs> a tactic by the regime and the military and the police to essentially thin the crowds and to dissuade uh, women from attending uh, the protests. And, you know, it also plays into the Islamic cards where they would rather see women stay home and they can't understand why there are even unveiled women walking around the streets, you know. This revolution really started for many, many reasons. And uh, let's say those reasons were freedom and dignity. And, you know, th those were extended to many mi minority groups, including women. And women have been so repressed and suppressed in this uh, Arab society for so long that they, they are really yearning for a change in attitude. And there's been the rise of some anarchist groups recently. Uh, one basically kind of showed up overnight like two weeks ago called the Black Bloc, which are, you know, is, is sort of a tactic used by protesters in Europe and the States and the Occupy movement and also in Seattle and uh, a lot of the, the, you know, World Trade Organization rallies and stuff have black bloc members who are wearing black ski masks and anarchist flags and stuff. This has sort of popped up in Egypt almost overnight. That's quite a development, actually. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, but I'm very suspicious of it because, you know, basically I'm, I'm, I'm always on the lookout for agent provocateurs. You know, Absolutely. Or, you know, and vehicles that can take advantage 
of that. And um, unfortunately, you know, the revolution has been very peaceful and has achieved many, many things. But the frustration that people are feeling without any, con you know, con concrete changes happening has led to be enticed by these kind of chaotic movements, you know. And uh, so there's a the rise of the Black Bloc, which was quickly... Um, deemed a terrorist organization by the right. regime. Well, the and thing is, though, you've, we've, there have been police masquerading as black bloc in Canada, the United States, and Germany, all caught in acts of provocation. Yeah, also in Italy and Greece, too. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the problem, you know, is that uh, the, the, a lot of young, you know, restless youth are enticed by this idea. And we've seen uh, some, some very fishy kind of, uh, you know, incidents happen just... Just a week ago, um, the Intercontinental Hotel was attacked by a gang of uh, looters who were armed and broke into the hotel and started shooting up the place and burning the place. And all while uh, there was a riot going on against the, the riot police and tears being thrown and a rock war was happening and all these things. And of course, uh, you know, it, the authorities kind of blamed this uh, attack on the protesters, you know, so it's... It's, there's a psychological war going on as well, and with these sexual attacks, women have become very outraged about this. It was kind of a taboo subject. I mean, it's a very taboo thing. There's been a phenomenon of this happening in Egypt over the last, say, 10 years, uh, and usually the women don't say anything about it. But it's so obvious that this is not just a random occurrence. It, it really feels like there are gangs of men being sent down to harass women and being paid to do that. So what we've noticed is we have some friends or some people we know and friends of friends and so on and so forth that have kind of created this, this new block called the Red Block, which is the women's sort of anarchist movement. And they just had a march yesterday through the streets where there were a lot of them were wearing red bandanas over their faces. A lot were not wearing anything, but all holding up very large kitchen knives uh, in the march. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> demanding social justice and demanding, you know, uh, an inquiry into this behavior and to also to be, you know, written into the Constitution that they have special protections as women, not just as citizens. Well, and I think what's been happening in India um, is really uh, inspiring people, women and men around the world. And and I think as much as I always want a nonviolent solution, some violent retribution is probably going to be part of the catalyst. Yeah, unfortunately, I think, you know, it's it's a very tinderbox. Any little spark can kind of push violence in one direction or another, you know, and uh, unfortunately, the regime is quite well armed, and I'm just thinking of women with their kitchen knives. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, you know, it was a sign to men to go, hey, you know, you, you mess with us, maybe you get stabbed, you know. Yeah, or I mean, lose some lose some parts. Yeah, exactly, and I think this is really interesting. So we're following some characters in inside the red block, and um, it's you know there's so many layers to women's issues in this country that it's really quite a fascinating and interesting thing and also quite liberating for the women who are being who are involved in this to kind of take this plunge and make a decisive uh, move you know to defend themselves and to spread the word and actually on Tuesday there's going to be a global women's marches all over the world in support of uh, the women's uh, solidarity movement in Egypt 
Well, I can't wait to see uh, this next film. I know you're just in the beginning stages of gathering footage and, and figuring out the story you're going to tell cause as it's unfolding. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Kareem, uh, thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the film that Samahair and Kareem are making about the women's movement in Egypt. should be very interesting and Thank you again, Kareem, for being on the show. And Samahair, we will we will find a way to get past our scheduling woes. So in putting together the music for tonight, I was looking for a, a song about strong Arab or Middle Eastern women to finish out that segment, and I didn't find any. So I decided to go with another strong woman song that I was completely unfamiliar with, but I like it. This is Christina Aguilera featuring Lil Kim with Can't Hold Us Down.
Christina Aguilara and Lil Kim can't hold us down. And there's a good, strong message for all the men who abuse women in the world. Terrible uh, things that happen. I won't even go into the details. But, you know, time to say no. And men, we need to stand up for the sisters and say no to our brothers. No, you can't do that. Teach your sons. Teach your sons. Teach your brothers. Teach your friends. Don't abuse women. Okay. And don't abuse men. Don't abuse anybody. Ah, well, now we're going to meet our third and final guest for the evening, musician Josh Glass. Josh Glass, welcome to Paradigms. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's really a pleasure. You're another wonderful local Vermont musician, and, and I've been listening to some of your songs. We're going to play them for the folks. And Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your music and your life and all that stuff. Oh, man. Um, well, it was a dark and stormy night. Now, that's, that's the only way I know how to begin most um, uh, stories. <laughs> uh, I, it's funny because I'm um, in the beginnings of my uh, uh, interest in music. I, I keep on I kept on asking myself if I ever do get an opportunity like this, you know, and uh, the past couple of years I have uh, the opportunity to talk about myself, that is. I've tried to think of ways to to tell about this saga that's unfolding in my life uh, without sounding arrogant or without sounding anxious. And, uh, well, the second one's happening right now. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make the best of it. So anyway, basically my, my life is music, you know, and I'm sure people have heard that many times before, you know, from various artists, but it's to the point um, in my life where I'm basically unable to function without, you know, having music be a part of it every day, you know, and I've been playing, uh, I've been, I've been singing since I was um, old enough to get sounds out of my body. I've been playing music uh, since I was 12. I've been making music um, live. I've been doing music live since um, I was around 17, so that's about 10 years now. And um, as a solo artist, uh, this is my uh, third year in um, making my own creations uh, available to the public. So, And right now I'm in the process of recording my first album, which I hope to have out by this year. Wow. So you're one of those people for whom music isn't just a great thing it's necessary it's to the point where um i i get irritable if i don't at least you know if i don't strum a chord if i don't play a song you know if i don't you know plunk my hands down on the keys if i don't listen to something but uh the last one actually isn't isn't uh that critical considering that there's been a soundtrack going through my head one that kind of distracts me from day-to-day -day. <laughs> um it's to the point where it can distract me from day-to-day -day, uh tasks because there's always music going through my head whether it's my own or other people's you know so uh it's necessity it's a it's a beautiful necessity so when it's your own music that's going through your head and and this is one of those questions you've probably been asked and i ask people all the time and i don't really expect an answer that's definitive at all but where is it coming from Wow, it's a it's a tough question. Um, when I have a music, when I have a, an idea in my head, when there's a composition kind of like forming, you know, it's kind of like piecing together a murder scene, you know, or a, a crime scene. It's uh, kind of say like, where did this come from? Where did uh, you know? Sometimes it's by accident. Sometimes, most of the time, it's by accident. It's probably the reason why I didn't take a lot of musical classes actually um, in school. I was never part of the jazz band, never part of chorus, and it's because when music was made an assignment, when it's when there's a deadline to it, when it's made, it, when it it gets turned into a chore, that's actually when I'm the least productive. 
when I'm just walking down the street, when I hear a sound, when I hear, you know, sometimes the wind blowing, when I have a, but most of all, when I have a particular uh, feeling inside, whether it's out of anger, whether it's out of passion, uh, that's when the melody flows into me. And that's when, for some reason or another, these uh, chords, uh, it, it's either, you know, the, the words never come first. It's always the chords. It's always uh, a note. It's always something I can build off on, uh, usually throughout my head during the course of a day, which uh, usually ends with me rushing home and going to the piano or guitar and then just, you know, playing it before mm -hmm. I forget it. It's interesting. I've gotten to talk with a lot of different musicians and different kinds of artists, and and everyone has a different answer to that. But the thing that is similar in what people have to say is basically they don't really know where it comes from. It just comes. And for some people, they're very clear that this is something coming from outside them, coming through them. And for some people, it seems that it's more something that's generated deep within them that then comes to the surface. Yeah, it's always it's always bubbling up, you know. Sometimes you can try to, you know, like, especially late at night, you know, when I'm just way too tired to, you know, when I'm considering, should I just get out of bed right now? Is this, is this an original composition? Did I just dream this? Did I, uh, mm. you know, is it somebody else's, you know, like moments like that, I think sometimes you, you ask yourself, am I crazy or am I onto something, you know? And sometimes it's a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you've been doing this your whole life. And how old a person are you? I am 27 years old. All right. So you've spent about a quarter of a century experiencing, being inspired by, and learning to uh, externalize music, which is what we call certain kinds of sounds, uh, which is kind yeah. of funny in itself. But what is it doing for you, to you, inside you to do this? How is your relationship with music affecting you, transforming you, changing you? Well, um, that's a, a, a beautifully um, loaded question. And <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's been changing my life. It, it changed my life. Um, the thing about music is that it's um, no matter how your brain works, what side of the world you're on, who you are as a person, who you want to be. When you hear something that just uh, gets stuck in your head, it just uh, is a universal feeling among all humans. You know, being able to have your body just spontaneously move to a, to a groove, or to have your ears perk up, to just have your entire system just kind of like gleep, like it's like a beautiful shutdown. You just you're just there, standing there taking it all in, you know, I don't think I've ever met somebody in my life saying, you know, uh, I don't have a favorite song or I don't, I don't really appreciate music. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's spontaneous, you know, we seem to be hardwired to connect with music and, and to connect with music beyond the rational conscious part of our, our minds. Exactly. It's, uh, it's beautiful. It's, it's scientific. It's biological. You know, it's, it's a trifecta. That's my trifecta for a lot of uh, mediums. But I find, you know, that based on my own experiences and based on interactions with others, that music is, that, is the medium of uh, human creativity that just has a universal pull on us, you know, and uh, considering how much it, it, it pulls on myself, considering how much I measure my my progression in um, in life and my own happiness and um, what music I listen to and uh, what music I make and what comes out of it, what comes of it.
Here's a song from Josh Glass called I Lost My Marbles. I lost my marbles on the inside I lost my marbles to a helping of pride I lost my marbles and my head is hogtied I lost my marbles on the inside You lost your patience only sometimes You lost your patience but you still learned my rhymes you lost your patience and I cried, but it's alright You lost your patience only sometimes on the inside I lost my marbles but I still got my pride I lost my marbles and my head is hogtied I lost my marbles on the inside 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 I lost my marbles on Lost My Marbles from Josh Glass. Isn't he great? Let's hear the next part of our conversation. You're listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. This song, Megaphone, I put it on and I just thought I was listening to the reincarnation of Harry Nilsson. <laughs> Harry Nilsson's been nearing the top of uh, artists that I've been meaning to listen to, you know, despite having a few decades to do that. Well, I mean, he's been around for a few decades. I've only been around for a little bit over two. So, um, but yeah, but that, but megaphone, I mean, if you, uh, and, and I think it's the first time it's, uh, either, well, not in writing, but on, on, on the record, when I wrote that song, um, it was pretty much a, uh, a straight up lift off of the, of the rhythm of, a of a song by Wilco called uh, hummingbird. Um, Wilco is one of my favorite artists, one of my greatest inspirations um, as an artist. And so when I wrote that, I was like, okay, guys, you know, I, I hope there aren't too many Wilco fans out there because you might find this familiar. And then all people, all of a sudden, people are just uh, telling me, dude, uh, you must love Harry Nilsson. I'm like, well, I should probably check him out now. And that's been a very, very um, nice experience when I've been kind of uh, road testing these tunes for new audiences. When they say, hey, you remind me of this person or that person. And it turns out that I've never listened to those people before. And so it's kind of win-win. 
they're being reminded of people that uh, they can connect to while simultaneously uh, being interested in my own creations. And uh, on the flip side, I'm now learning more about these people that I've supposedly been inspired by, but I've never listened to, you know? Which is kind of amazingly magical that, for instance, with, with Nilsson, you've never listened to him, and yet your music has uh, really a lot of similarity. And so that kind of speaks to me to this, you know, the the magical ways that we're inspired by things that exist in the in the greater collective unconscious that we don't even know about. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, you know, has its ups and downs, you know, like there's been quite a few times where I've, where I've had a melody and I say, Oh my God, this is going to be great. This is gonna, and then I realized that it's, it's one of my favorite songs. It's, it's uh, crypto cryptonesia. I think it's what happened when George Harrison, uh, wrote my sweet Lord. And it turned out to be a ripoff of a, a, uh, a very beautiful ripoff of a song by, uh, by the Shirelles. I hope it's the Shirelles because if it's not, it's there, it's, in, it's, it's being recorded right now. But, uh, the song was called he's so fine. And, um, and he, it turned out that he just lifted it straight up there. So, uh, um, the best thing you can do is at least uh, is a give credit to your source, but b change it so it does it so you're not infringing infringing on the path of the uh, of the labor of love of someone else that you respect. You know. Now your songs, you know, they're they're really well. They sound really well recorded. It's tight. It's clean. You know, the production. It's really nice. And do you do all that yourself? Do you have a band? Do you have someone who's producing you? What's your your deal? Uh, well, the songs, some of the songs that you have in your possession right now, uh, Megaphone, Man on the Side, I Lost My Marbles, those are songs that I actually did uh, completely by myself and uh, not to gloat, uh, in one day actually. I just decided, you know, I used, it, I used GarageBand, I used my instruments, I just, I said, you know what, enough is enough. I tell people that I play music all the time, but I don't have anything to my name, so um, I just did it by myself. I'm a man of the moment, I'm also chronically impatient. Unfortunately, in, in this in this world, in any medium, uh, when you want to get something done, uh, it involves making phone calls. It involves making contacts. It involves reaching out in a way that you're almost guaranteed will come with a lot of frustrating delays. I promote myself. I uh, I'm kind of like my one man PR team, you know. So I figure if I can do that, why can't I just do this myself? So that said, uh, three of the tracks you have were made uh, by my own device and uh, I released it um, almost a year ago to the day uh, to this day but the other song that you have actually New York My Lovely is a tune that was produced by an amazing guy named Colin McCaffrey who works out of uh, East Montpelier Vermont Colin's uh, work actually uh, has been inspiring me for um, about four years now from the moment that I heard him uh, work with uh, another one of my favorite art Vermont artists Myra Flynn when I heard this uh, one-man orchestra kind of just jump out of the uh, woodwork in this uh, in this tune that I heard of Myra's. I realized like it's it's basically what solidified uh, my belief that some of the best music is coming out of the Green Mountains. You know, so uh, there. So that said, uh, it took a long time, but I was somehow able to con this guy into producing officially my very first uh, my very first single, which is now released on i it's now on iTunes. It's called uh, New York, My Lovely. Congratulations. Thanks. It's a it's a baby step, you know, because I'm currently in uh, producing a um, in the in the process of making my a full length album, and um, that's being recorded with um, at the uh, Stu Studio, which is a uh, located in Colchester, Vermont. It was originally dealt uh, Dan Archer Studio, where uh, Fish uh, recorded their debut album, and um, it's a nice little place. 
and um, I bring a lot of good friends on board. And uh, the name of the album is called uh, Sidetracked Baby, and I'm hoping to have it out uh, hopefully by uh, early summer. So, so that's what happens in the studio. Live, um, I mostly perform solo, but I do uh, perform in a couple of other uh, projects by my own name, uh, Joshua Glass and the Mood Stabilizers. That's my full band. And um, I'm still you know, backing up people as a uh, backing vocalist and a pianist and rhythm guitarist to the point where I, I, try to, I try to gig about at least half the month, you know, on any given month. And uh, I have a lot of fun doing it. Here's that song that I was talking about at the beginning of this segment, Megaphone, from Josh Glass.
Now, if you're a Harry Nilsson fan, you know what I was talking about when I said that uh, that song especially really reminded me of, of Harry Nilsson. And uh, now Josh will have to listen to some Harry Nilsson. Here is the next part of my conversation with Josh. This is the final part of our conversation. And then we'll be back with some more music and some housekeeping to close up the show for the night. So here's Josh Glass. Do you have some gigs coming up you can tell us about? Currently, I have about um, 20 gigs in the books right now. Oh, wow. Um, I try to at least have a couple dozen booked right now. And uh, actually, tonight, immediately following this interview, I'm going to be heading to uh, uh, Das Beer House in Burlington to do a solo set from about 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Um, everybody can go to um, joshuaglass.com. They can go to the shows section, and they will be able to find out where I'm going to be. My next uh, major gig will be on uh, Thursday, March 7th at 6 p.m. at uh, Shelburne Vineyard. Um, I'll be performing with uh, my friend uh, Rebecca, uh, whose stage name is Nuda Veritas. She's one of my favorite Vermont artists as well. The day after, I'll be at the, at the Half Lounge for a solo show uh, at 9 p.m. That's on a Friday. And then here and there, it's uh, throughout the summer, I've been you know booking some gigs, and, uh, and I'm just gonna i'm just trying to be all over the place so, so you're I, you're a working musician that's how you live that is definitely a job that is right now part-time but i hope to make a full-time one uh currently in the, in the daytime i work with adults who are developmentally disabled you know with autism and uh it's a very intense and rewarding job and i'm blessed to be working with people who are very very supportive of of my musical endeavors they you know, regularly give me time off to uh, kind of pursue this passion of mine. And uh, it's been a great balance. And uh, as I've been working more and more and uh, trying to be everywhere at once, I found that this actually has, uh, I've been able to sustain myself not only, you know, creatively, emotionally, um, but also uh, financially too, you know. And like a lot of musicians, whatever money you make, you just kind of invest it in the next step, you know. So, Basically, every cent that I earn from these gigs that I'm lucky to be able to make a living from is going toward uh, the creation of this album. And that alone is an investment right there, an emotional one, a, a deeply emotional, creative, and uh, just emotionally satisfying one. Is there something uh, happening in the world that particularly has your attention, uh, especially something that is inspiring you? Huh. Um, I think it's the... Uh, Man, there's just there's just so few ways to put this without sounding corny. But I think it's a, it's the self. It's how people are getting more self aware through like uh, people are are starting revolutions from from their own homes. You know, like you know, it sounds so silly to say like uh, like uh, to to talk about music and then go to like the you know the revolution the the Arab Spring you know, revolutions in, uh, in 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 Egypt and uh, in, and uh, so many other Arab countries. Uh, you know, it, they all start at home with an idea. Uh, you don't have to march out of your house anymore to make your ideas known. It's uh, you can just start a Facebook post. You can start a Twitter post saying, "Hey, something needs to be done," and all of a sudden, you know, you're you see like a crowd forming outside your house, the house that you started this revolution from, you know? So things like that, things like um, revolutions that are started or ideas that are started just from, from typing up a, um, an idea for writing it down or telling a friend from word of mouth, that's what's inspiring me. And that just uh, trickles down to every single se um, segment of society, including artists, you know? Like, you no longer have to, like, go around and, uh, 
you know, put posters up on, you know, on, um, on, you know, on boards around town, even though that, that does still help, you know, you can just spread the word, do it all yourself. And I think that the self-awareness of, of, of humans nowadays, you know, um, the do it yourself, um, approach is, is one of the things that is inspiring me and constantly surprising me and what has pushed me to, um, kind of take my own ideas and try to see what the public thinks of it, you know? That's great. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you want to make sure we cover? You know, it's it, I, the, the way my brain works is that immediately after something like this uh, happens, I say, oh, my God, why didn't I think of that, you know? Of course. But, but that's the, and that's actually the way that I want to leave it because uh, because right after uh, we're done talking, I'm gonna I'm gonna start thinking of things that I should have said, but instead of regretting it, I'm gonna start putting it toward my own, uh, you know. Right on. Just gonna try to put it put it out there, you know. Yeah, write a song. Yeah, there you go. You know. Well, thank you so much for talking with me and sharing your music, and I wish you all the luck in the world, and can't wait to hear more about your your stuff and when your album comes out. Uh, Maybe you'll bring your folks down to the studio and do a live gig sometime. I'll I'll be in touch, and uh, and I want to say uh, I'll give you a personal thank you, and not only to you, but to everybody who gives artists uh, spotlight like this, whether it's uh, through you know through sound, visually, or just uh, through um, moral support. You know, it would not be possible without without you guys. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, and uh, I hope to be doing this um, for as long as possible, and. Um, with people like you by my side. So thanks very much. Josh Glass. I hope you'll check out his upcoming music with his CD when it comes out and see him live if you're in the area. What a nice guy. And, and really, you know, one of these people who, you know, his inspiration kind of has taken a hold of him and grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and said, I'm not letting go. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. And the music is wonderful. So... Let's hear another song of Josh's. We're going to play that song of his that is the single from the new album. This one's called New York, My Lovely, which is the title track from the CD that Josh is in the process of making. Here it is. New York, My Lovely by Josh Glass. Climbing rooftops And I was ready to shout You were between last names Already on your way out But why not scratch at What it was all about You wear your hair straight down I wanna get you alone Wear it curly in the morning I could build you a home I'm gonna take my time But I will make you One night and giggled like a fool Felt like a tumble into a shallow pool Bathing in your smile, drawn into this duel Between my heartbeat and all of the rules And I won't buy into the heart, growing fonder, I swear 
Thank you, Josh, for being on the show. And uh, time to call it a night. Another episode come and gone. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember that episodes are archived at paradigms.bz and in iTunes. So you can always download them, listen to them again, share them with your friends. Check out our Facebook page, our Twitter is ParadigmsBZ, and our Facebook page is Facebook slash ParadigmsBZ. So, check that all out. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with uh, Susan Grimaldi. 
will be on the show talking about her work in China and dealing with learning about and also bringing and sharing sustainable traditions to different places. So uh, interview for next week. I'm going to leave you with one more track from Josh Glass. Uh, and this was another one of those demos. The first two we played are demos. The third one is from the CD. And this last one's also a demo. And it's called Man on the Side. Have a great week. See you next time on Paradigms on WBKM.org. I'll be your friend in the wink of an eye. I'll be your go between on the fly. I'm gonna glorify you through song. Give me the rights and I'll rewrite your wrong. been listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org.